just want to share a little bit about Ray before he comes up. I got a long uh, bio on Ray, and I, I won't be able to say it all, otherwise you'll be here all day. But I do want to share a few points. Um, Ray has served in the ministry for his entire adult life. At 18, Ray went on a mission trip with his uncle to Peru. It was there that he fell in love with the South American culture. In addition to Peru, Ray and his family have spent a number of years serving the Lord and his people in Colombia, where they helped plant a church, and in Mexico. Ray has served at the North County Church of Christ, where his duties included preaching for both the English and Spanish congregations and serving as an elder. Ray and his wife, Nancy, have been married for 44 years. They have three children, Melissa, Daniel, and our own Peter. They have five grandchildren who are all boys. So with that, I'll turn you over to Ray. And before I forget, along those lines, we would love a granddaughter. So if you could encourage Peter and Jen along those lines, that would be wonderful. That would be great. Um, Nancy, of course, my wife, is here. Melissa is here. Uh, Dominic, her second oldest son, and Roman, the youngest of Melissa's three children, are here. Peter, uh, Jen, and uh, Noah and William. So just honored that you guys are here and that I get to speak with my family here. I wish Daniel and uh, Nadia were here. That would be awesome, too, but maybe at a future time. Uh, our connection with you is, has been quite a while. You probably don't uh, know me, or at least much about me, other than what the bio was just read, uh, as I do about you. I've uh, been aware of this church and been kind of in and out, different things you've done, and enjoyed that and been blessed by it. Uh, but our connection also is through Ugo and Vicky. Ugo and Vicky were followers of Jesus over in North County Church of Christ in Escondido, and I don't remember what year they came here. Can you just off the top of your head tell, tell us? Okay, so, uh, so that's, that's just awesome. Uh, and so they're a product of the church there in North County. And uh, so we had time in their lives, in their uh, relatives' lives. And so that's, that's our connection with us, with you as well, Ugo and Vicky and, uh, and Peter. And we're proud of all of them. The Span Spanish ministry is hard. And it's, it's hard to combine it with English ministry. So you will be uh, confronted by challenges. It will be hard for you to do what you're trying to do, but I would encourage you to do it as much as possible. And I applaud you for the, the bilingual service you're having today. It's hard. It's hard to do songs in two languages. It's hard to combine messages in both languages. It can always be better. We can always improve, but it will never cease to be difficult. But it's worth the, the effort. Um, after a f quite a few years in Escondido, the North County Church, doing this very same thing, uh, we celebrated a 25-year service of the Spanish ministry. And our mayor, we invited our mayor, who at that time was Lori Filer, uh, to our assembly. And we had a bilingual assembly. We had actually two of them, I believe, and, uh, because we didn't all fit. And so uh, we had, we had uh, two of them. And she, uh, we invited her to speak. And in her speech, she said, what you are doing here is exactly what I need to do in my city. 
So this, this, is, a, this is really the love and the, the unity that you're aiming to create in Jesus Christ and bringing people together in spite of different cultures uh, is, is just admirable and uh, it's what really needs to happen in a bigger bigger uh, spectrum. So I, I applaud you and, and keep making every effort. I'm going to speak mostly in English today, um, but if, if once in a while I'll, I'll share something out in Spanish and uh, just to give them a message of encouragement. Uh, gracias, hermanos, por estar aquí. Los que hablan español, voy a hablar principalmente en inglés porque así estoy preparado para el día. En otra fecha tal vez lo hagamos en forma bilingüe en la predicación o tal vez predico en español y ellos tienen que escuchar por audífonos, como ven ustedes. Uh, so I am actually uh, full, full, um, full uh, transparency. I am actually an interpreter for the school district over where I live in Palm Desert, La Quinta. Uh, we actually live in Indio, and so uh, I get to practice this on a daily basis. So it's a pleasure to do it for you here. But I, I tell you that because we live in Indio. Anybody ever heard of the Coachella Music Festival? Okay, you admit to hearing of that. Uh, we live about three quarters of a mile from the venue. We live uh, on Avenue 48, and it's on Avenue 51. So if you walk from our front door around the block, it's about three quarters of a mile. Uh, so if any of you ever want to go, first I would say just repent. <laughs> but if you decide to go and you want a place to stay, and you, uh, people right now are renting their houses for $5,000 a weekend. We were trying to do that, but our HOA won't let us do that. So if you want a place to, you know, you want to go over there uh, to either that event or uh, the uh, Stagecoach uh, Country Western one that's two or three weeks after that, Feel free to give us a call. Peter's got our number. We've got a spare bedroom. You can have it for free, as long as you say Mission Viejo Church of Christ. Okay. So everybody got that on line, too, so now we're going to get a lot of calls. Our message today is about the righteous shall live by faith. Los justos por la fe vivirán. Romans 1.17. That's the theme of the book of the Romans. And uh, when Ugo communicated to me on Friday that he wasn't feeling well, thought he was getting sick. He said, I, I'll give you a call tomorrow and let you know how I'm doing, but I don't know, we need to make another plan. And, I, and he asked me if I could speak. I would say, I would be glad to speak for, in your place. And in a very noble way, about an hour or two later, he said, I don't want to keep you in jeopardy. I, I'm not feeling well. I don't want to make other people sick. So uh, he told me on Friday that I would be able to be here. So I'm thankful to be here and and sorry he's not feeling well. But at a future date, if we can do another thing like this, I'd be glad to come back and interpret uh, for Ugo. The righteous shall live by faith. Uh, the reason I chose this is because in our church, uh, there's uh, three evangelists, three ministers. I'm not one of them. I'm kind of new on the block, but they're allowing me. I said, well, let me study the book of Romans with you on Fridays if you guys are going to preach it on Sundays. And so they allowed me to do that. So we study every Friday morning on, on Romans. And so when Ugo uh, opened the door, I said, well, we're going to do Romans. And I don't know if you've been in Romans uh, recently or not, but this is an amazing, amazing truth that my cousin's husband, Tim Brinley, who was not her husband at the time, but he shared this lesson with me uh, many years ago, probably about the time that I went to Peru with my Uncle Glenn around, around that, that date. Romans 4, how God uh, forgives us and how God's grace reaches us. 
the verse that we read on the screen, Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. It has three main words. Believed, counted, and righteousness. And I think I want those to be our, our three main points just for a few moments. Righteousness. What is righteousness? This happened when Abraham had already been told in Genesis 12, having no children, 75 years old, you'll be a great nation, I'll give that great nation a land, and you will be a blessing to all families on the earth. I don't know how many years later, I've forgotten, but a few years later in Genesis 15, uh, God comes to Abraham and reaffirms that promise, and Abraham says, but I have no heir except for Eliezer, my, my servant. Shall my Shall my estate go to Eliezer? And God says, come on outside. So he went outside to a place like Indio where there's not many lights, and when you look up, you can really see a lot of stars. And I looked up, and that's why I, I like this, this little picture. It's got some stars in the background. He said, count the stars. And, uh, and then it says, Abraham believed God that he would have children as like unto the, the number of stars in the universe. That, that's how many children he would have. And God counted that faith as righteousness. That verse starts out in Genesis, but it comes up again in Romans 1, and it's repeated a, another time or two in the scriptures. But that concept is the core concept to how God saves us. And it's a, it's a wonderful concept. What is righteousness? In Spanish, righteousness is justicia. Justificación. In English, we have a couple of words. It's a little bit confusing. If you're reading Romans and you read, we are justified by faith, and then you read, the righteous will live by faith, or some verses translate, the righteous shall live by faith, Romans 1.17. It says, the just shall live by faith. It's two words in English, but it's one word in Spanish. Spanish has got us there. In Spanish, it's justificación. Justo, justificación, justicia, all of those words are righteousness or justification. But in, but in English, we have two words, justification and righteousness. And in the Greek, the original, if you look at the, the original throughout the book of, of Romans, righteousness and justification is from one Greek word, dikaio. When it speaks of justification or God is just, it mostly is referring to his holiness, his perfection, his uh, not having any sin or inability. It's, in fact, he cannot even be in the presence or have sin in his presence. His righteousness or his, his just nature. And when the word righteousness is used, God makes us righteous, it speaks of us. That we're blameless or we're without fault or we're without stain somehow that is possible. So what, what is righteousness? Righteousness really is, is justification. I don't know why we think about it in two different terms in English, but I guess I think about it in Spanish most of the time, because it's just one word, justificación. Ser justo, to be righteous, dikaio, is to be blameless and, to, and for God to consider us blameless. God's attitude towards sin is based on his holiness. In Hebrews 13, 4, it says, Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. I don't know if we put a scale of 1 to 10, what's your holiness factor where you would write yourself? But it probably wouldn't be a 10. There's probably enough humility in us that we wouldn't write a 10. 
Jesus tells a story about two fellows who went down to pray, and they were looking, or at least in the presence of, of the temple, the holy place. Uh, one stood up and just looked up and said, God, thank you that I'm not like that guy over there, that tax collector. Anybody thinking about taxes now that April's coming up? That tax collector, I'm glad I'm not like him, glad I don't do the things he does, but I do all of this stuff. And then that guy, who was a tax collector, just fell prostrate to the ground, wouldn't even look up towards the temple, and, and he just said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, the one who went home righteous, justified, was the one who was on his face, saying, I'm a zero I got nothing. God, you're looking at my life. You're looking at what I can bring to the table here to be in your presence. Frankly, I got nothing. The Pharisee was saying, I've got it all. And Jesus said the one who actually was made righteous was the one who said, I got nothing. So God's attitudes towards sin is based on his own holiness and how we approach him then is very important and that's the theme of the book of Romans, how we approach God in that perfect holiness. Romans 1.18, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And then the text will go on and describe how God created the universe and through his creation made his eternal power and his, his greatness known. Yet men denied his eternal power by creating things out of trees and rocks and, and making idols. And God gave them up to even further, further sin. They didn't have anything but his creation, but that was enough. They should have seen in creation that the creator was much bigger, much more complex, much more intelligent than the things he made. And yet uh, they didn't. Overall, as a group, they didn't. They denied God and created their own gods. And then chapter 2 is about uh, the folks who did have the word of God. Beyond creation, they had revelation. So God gave commandments to the Jewish nation, the nation that God formed out of Abraham. He gave them commandments. And he said, obey these commandments. They had the commandments. And they thought they were so much better than those folks who didn't have the commandments. But actually, chapter 2 says, you who had the commandments, you who say you're a teacher of the law, and yet you disobey the law, you disobey the commandments, how are you any better off than those who had no commandments whatsoever? Chapter 3 says, are the Jews any better off than the Greeks? The Greeks had creation. They denied God. The Jews had revelation. They denied God or disobeyed God. Chapter 3 says, there's not one righteous person on the planet. I think I heard that in the Bible class this morning. And then one came, and his name was Jesus Christ. But among the rest of us, none of us were righteous. All of us were sin. All of us were far from the glory of God. So how in the world are we going to be in God's presence? And that's where the second word comes in. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. I'm just going to ask if you would, whoever the person on the slide thing is, if you would just go to the next slide. Um, this person's name is Ruth Balloon. 
in December of 2019, she decided to check her account on her phone. When was the last time you checked how much money you have in your account? What's today? The 20 what? 27th? Probably getting pretty low, don't you think? How about if you checked it and it had $37 million in it? She checked from Dallas, Texas. She checked her account and it said $37 million. She, against hope, I guess, hoped that maybe somebody had actually credited that to her and given it to her and she and her husband were just the lucky folks. But after uh, they talked to the bank, the bank said it was a bank error that whenever they do international deposits, they always have to do them uh, manually, and it has to be done at the main branch or at the main bank. And so this was an international deposit that someone had made manually, or at least it was entered manually, and the wrong account number was entered. But for a while, she had $37 million plus the 3,000 that was in her account before the 37 million, so she took the picture just for proof. Being credit, I would love to be credited with that much money, wouldn't you? That'd be awesome. I used to, used to ask my dad, we used to ask him jokingly, uh, we're kind of a thrift, we come from a, I would just say we come from thrifty people. My dad grew up on a dairy uh, that his dad, uh, his dad's dad got as a, um, what do they call it? I forgot. When they give land away, 1903, a, they gave land away in Southern California down in El Centro. Uh, and so it was, I forgot the word. As a translator, I'm supposed to know words, and I forgot the word. Anyway, gave the land away, and so he, uh, my dad grew up on this dairy farm. Really, really thrifty. To this day, really, really thrifty. So we'd ask my dad, Dad, if you got $10 million, what would you do with it? He'd say, I'd pay off my bills as far as it would go. So... <laughs> So, and he never had bills but like that, but that was his joke. Another, what would you do with 37 million? For a day it was credited to her account. And we like that idea, but Jesus told another parable that makes us, it still makes me uncomfortable. The parable of the laborers in the vineyard in Matthew 20. It's six o'clock in the morning. Number one, it makes me uncomfortable because if you follow the sequence of the parable, it's from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. So that's a long work day. I haven't worked that long since I was self-employed, so I'm glad I'm not self-employed anymore. But those of you who are, you probably work from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Uh, and at 6 in the morning, a man goes out to hire laborers for his vineyard. And uh, he hires them for a denarius, and they accept. And then he goes out three hours later, 9 o'clock, finds a bunch of people still not working, hires a bunch more, goes out again at 12 o'clock, Finds some more, hires them, goes out at 3 o'clock, finds some more, hires them. Goes out at 5 p.m., one hour before closing time. Says, why aren't you guys working? Go to my vineyard and work. And so he hires them, and they go work. And then at 6, he calls them all together and starts paying. And he starts paying from the ones who got there at the end of the day. They'd only worked one hour, and he gave them a denarius. And so on and so forth. Went back up to those who had born the heat of the day from 6 in the morning all day long. He paid them all the same. And the ones who got, who had worked 12 hours were angry at the Lord, at the Master, for being unjust. And his response was, isn't it mine to do with what belongs to me? 
If I want to be gracious towards these, what is that to you? So sometimes God's grace makes us uncomfortable. That, that parable still makes me uncomfortable. But I believe it and I accept it uh, because, number one, Jesus told us about it and said that's the way God is. God extends his grace even on people who have only worked for one hour, even on people who have only invested the latter part of their years in the kingdom of God. God uh, still gives their grace. We believe in the merit system in our culture. I love the study of cultures and how they differ. Uh, and our brother spoke correctly. If you really want to enjoy some good time, uh, invite each other over between those who are Hispanics and have that culture. Uh, find out uh, where each other's from and just listen to each other's stories. Our cultures are different, but our stories, you'll hear some amazing stories from folks who come from a, of a different culture. We believe in the merit system. In our culture, we feel like if we work for it, we should get it. If I put in the time, if I put in the studies, if I get the degrees, if I put in the effort, I should be rewarded for that. If I put in a, a lot of effort at my, in my job and they give, it, give a job, the next promotion to someone else, who I feel like, hey, it's my turn in line, I put in the effort, I'm doing the productivity here, uh, that's going to make me a little bit upset. And so we believe in the merit system. But, but it, merit system has nothing to do with God's system of grace. In fact, it's quite the opposite. And that's why it makes us uncomfortable for the guy that worked one hour to get it the same as everybody else. God counts righteousness by faith. It's counted. It's not based on merit. In Romans 3, verses 21 through 26, I'm just going to highlight one verse, actually verse 24, for the sake of our time together this morning. But the text talks about how God actually gives this forgiveness. We are justified by God's grace as a gift through the redemption that's in Christ Jesus. And verse 25, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Propitiation is a word that was used to describe the covering over the Ark of the Covenant. And it meant that God was covering the people's sins from the law that was in the tablets of the law were in the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. Those ten laws were there, and, and those people who had the laws, they, they disobeyed the laws, just like we would disobey the laws and have disobeyed the laws. Honor God, don't have any other gods above him. Uh, uh, make, make his name holy, don't, don't take his name in vain, don't murder, Jesus would interpret that, don't hate your brother, uh, don't commit adultery, uh, and yet we have all sorts of sexual sin in our lives, or lust, or similar things like that, as Jesus interpreted it, uh, don't steal, and yet we pilfer all the time sometimes, as they did, uh, don't, don't, have, uh, don't commit false testimony, or false witness against people, and yet we exaggerate or misrepresent or deceive. And so they, they committed those sins, and we commit those sins too. But if you, if you look at our record of how we behave according to the rules that God has set up, we don't look very good. We could all go down the list of Romans 1 
or the Galatians 5, uh, the, 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 the fleshly things that are in Galatians 5, and we could all check off several of those that belong to us. And we'd have a list of several long. And then we come before God and say, God, I know that these are true, that I've done these things wrong, but I'm a good person. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it up by being a good neighbor. And I'm going to be a good husband. And I'm going to be a good dad. But when a holy, righteous, perfect God looks down through our goodness, he can't close his eyes to the sins that we've committed because they're all in the same list. And if you've sinned against one of God's commandments, you're guilty of the whole law. And so how does a, a loving God, who is also just and holy and perfect, how does he overlook our sin? How does he, how does, what does he do with our sin? We, we lived in countries where judges did overlook crimes. Pablo Escobar was in jails many times in Colombia, even when we were there, but always bought off the judges, always bought off the jailkeepers. He, he was in jail quite a few times, and then all of a sudden he'd pop up free, communicating from one of his ranchos somewhere, and the jailers and the judges would be in Brazil with millions in their bank account. God's not that kind of judge. God can't be bought off. And so how does a loving yet perfectly holy God have us in his presence? Well, he can't because we're sinful. But Jesus came, the text says, as our propitiation, as our covering. And because of our faith in Jesus, God puts Jesus at his cross right over the top of our sins and completely covers them, completely erases them from his memory. And so when God looks at us, he looks at us through the righteousness of Jesus because because of our faith in Jesus, Romans 3 says, no matter if you're one who had no revelation and you sinned against God, just through natural observance of what you should have known was right and wrong in the creation, those sins, or if you had the law and sinned against those, whichever group you are in, your only access to God is through Jesus Christ because he is the covering. He is the one who forgives your sins. And so in chapter 4, we read this in verse 3. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. But the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. And so the third word then is faith, which is really the first one. Abraham believed God. And because he believed God, God counted that faith as righteousness. You guys are Bible students. You know that Abraham was not such a perfect guy. I don't know how much he was affected by his father's family's idolatry. But when he was told to leave Ur of the Chaldeans, the scripture says he was, his father was an idolater at idols. So Abraham came out of idolatry. When he does finally get over to Canaan, uh, he fears for his life when he's, uh, and he goes down into Egypt because of a great famine that's in the land. I wonder about that. 
why he didn't just hang out there and wait for, wait for God to take care of that. But he goes down to Egypt, gets himself in a scenario in Egypt where he fears for his life again because the king of Egypt might find his wife to be very beautiful. And so he fears for his life and says, Sarah, just tell him you're my sister, you're not my wife. So he forces his, his wife into, into being uh, deceitful. Uh, so, so that happens. Ab- Abraham was not a perfect guy. On the basis of his works, Abraham would have nothing to boast before God about. But when God called Abraham and when God said, you are righteous because of your faith, it wasn't based on Abraham's record. It wasn't based on his performance. Because his performance wasn't that great. Think back over your own life. What are some of the ugliest things you've done that you wish you could erase from your record? What what are some things that are embarrassing to you that you don't want other people to know about? Our performance has not been that great. And even if it were in our eyes, it wouldn't be before God. And so Abraham credited, God credited to Abraham's account 37 million. (laughs) Actually, more than 37 million. He credited, Abraham, you are righteous. You are forgiven. You are blameless. You are pure. You are without sin. And if that weren't enough, the next example really gets you. When David, in in Romans chapter 4, David, this is the same blessing that David found. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. You know the story of of, uh, adultery and of murder of Uriah the Hittite and how David hit it, how Nathan came and challenged him. And David finally confessed his sin and wrote Psalm 51, created me a clean heart, O God, and restore a right spirit within me. And David writes, blessed is the man whom God will not count on his record his sin. No Jew is going to say David's not one of God's. And yet David was an adulterer, murderer, deceiver, abuser of his power, Nobody had the power to do that like the king did, but the king had power over everybody. He sees a beautiful woman. He uses his position of power to bring her in and have relations with her and, and violate her. And, 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 then, and then after she becomes pregnant, strategizes to have her husband die so he can cover his own sin. That's some ugly, ugly stuff. I often wonder why Rahab in James chapter Two is Rahab the what? Rahab the prostitute. Boy, that's not an epitaph or not a surname I would want to keep with me after I'm in the kingdom. (laughs) Uh, But maybe it serves to remind us that God doesn't count our sins against us. God did not count David's sin against him, but he counted David as righteous, pure, forgiven. How? by his faith. Jeffrey Dahmer, how many of you remember the story of Jeffrey Dahmer's hideous crimes? He murdered 17, a total of 17 boys and men, brutalized them, 
cannibalized some of them. And in 1994, when his, um, he was slain in prison, but before he was slain in prison, there was a, um, a minister in Oklahoma who uh, heard about his story and had seen a video testimony of him and, uh, and noted that when he was speaking of the crimes that uh, he, had, he had committed, uh, that, that there was a trembling in his voice. And one of the things he said was he just wanted to have peace. And so this uh, preacher from a church in Oklahoma started sending him Bible studies by mail and corresponding with him. Jeffrey Dahmer got to the point that he wanted to uh, be baptized into Christ. And so uh, this gentleman who is at his right, Roy Ratcliffe from Wisconsin, after several ministers were sought out to go to the jail and study and, and baptize Jeffrey Dahmer uh, and refused, Roy Ratcliffe did. And after studying with Mr. Dahmer for several times, uh, baptized him into Christ. Later that year, in 1994, he was, he was killed by another prisoner. But while Jeffrey Dahmer uh, was alive still, after he had given his life to Christ, uh, he asked Mr. Ratcliffe to please send him $5 worth of stamps, or actually he sent $5 worth of stamps so that Mr. Ratcliffe could send out Bible studies to other men in the prison. This story makes me just about as uncomfortable as the slaves or the servants, not slaves, but the servants, especially the ones that only got paid you know, a denarius after they worked for 12 hours, and the ones that worked for one hour got the same salary. How could God forgive someone like Jeffrey Dahmer? The title of the article that Bobby Ross wrote in Christian Chronicle is entitled, uh, Does Jail, Did Jailhouse Religion Save Jeffrey Dahmer? Well, I believe if his faith, and I think his faith is genuine, at least for the few months that he was alive, he was testifying of a genuine faith. Uh, God can save the likes of Jeffrey Dahmer. And when you look at it through the eyes of God's grace, I know we always compare sins, and certain people are more sinful than others, but the Jews wouldn't think that David was that big of a sinner, but he practically did what Jeffrey Dahmer did. And if you look at your own list of sins and failures before God, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. One of the most amazing verses in the book of Romans is the one I'm going to leave you with in Romans 8, verse 4. I'll start in verse 3. For God has done what the law could not do, weakened by the flesh. The rules that God has given us to live by, we don't keep them 100%. Uh, especially the law in the Old Testament, but even, even the rules that are great guidelines for us today. We don't keep any set of laws 100%. Uh, 
Uh, and so if we trusted like those, in those, like the Pharisee before the temple, praying to God wide open, saying, God, look at me, I'm keeping all the rules, I'm doing it all just right, uh, God would look down and say, you know what, now that you mention it, I've been noticing your actions, and you've been doing some things right, but you got an oops right there, you got an oops right there, and matter of fact, you probably have an oops tomorrow or the next day. If I counted your actions, your works, your performance... I can't have anything to do with you. But if you will look at what Jesus Christ, my son, has done for you that I sent, I put him on a cross for you. 2 Corinthians 5, 20, 21 says, God made him sin. God made Christ sin. Who knew no sin? God made him sin. That we might have, be, the righteousness, the blamelessness of Jesus Christ. God made Jesus sin. That's why there was darkness on the earth. That's why Jesus said, my God, my God, why are you forsaking me? Because he was. He made him sin so that we might have the righteousness. And that is counted because of our faith, not because of any performance. And so in Romans 8.4, I told you this is one I was ending on. Amazing verse. He sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order, this is amazing, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Anybody walk in the spirit here today? Anybody been baptized in the Christ, been given the Holy Spirit? You tired of walking in the flesh? Tired of your performance not being good enough? I know some of you are saying, if God's grace is so amazing that he does what Romans 8, 4 says, he gives us complete, perfect performance according to the law. He makes our record perfect. He, he gives us the righteousness and perfection of Jesus Christ, even though we haven't achieved it. But he does that because of our trust and our faith in Jesus that God put on the cross. And he do that, he'll do that for, for anybody. Jeffrey wrote, Dear Roy, thank you for your friendship and for taking the time and effort to help me understand God's word. God bless you and your family. Sincerely, Jeff Dahmer. The righteous shall live by faith. I, I just want to encourage you, if you're not a Christian, Romans 6 will say, shall we continue on sin so we just uh, keep abounding God's grace? Of course not. Don't you remember those of us who have been baptized into Christ have been baptized in death? If we've been baptized, buried with him by baptism to death, we'll be light with him in his resurrection to live a new life. If you haven't been baptized into Christ, then the first thing to do out of your faith is to be baptized into Christ. Uh, and, and, and have that obedience and follow forth. Romans, Romans 1, verse 5, Paul says, I've been given this apostleship for the obedience of faith. Not obedience to be saved, but obedience because of faith that God saves me through counting righteousness, the merits of Jesus. I just want to obey him. I just want to serve him. And then the last part of chapter 6 is, we used to be servants of sin, but now we're servants of what? Go ahead righteousness. We're servants of righteousness. Why? Because what God has done in our life.
So no, we're not too good. We're not too good. We need to be more like that, that publican who just goes before the temple and says, God, I'm a big zero. That's okay, because I got faith in Jesus. And Jesus gives me perfection. And thank you, God, for cleaning me up and before your eyes, making me perfect so I can be in your presence and use me however you like. Let's sing together. Respond in our hearts to God. He wants our hearts. He wants us to live for him. And so let's do that this week. We are a moment. You are forever. Lord of the ages. God before time. We are